Well, I think, um, morning to all the listeners, I think that um, the Reserve Bank is trying to protect the integrity of the banking system. So, therefore, they have put in measure, or are putting in measure, steps to protect at least the retail depositors. Um, because remember, the banking system is, the foundation of the banking system is the retail deposits. And you can't have a situation where people or individuals start losing trust in banks. Um, most banks do have um, these guaranteed um, deposit facilities in that they pay a premium and they're supposed to put money aside um, in the event of something like this happening. So the retail depositors should have some measure of security, at least up to 100,000. Those with larger deposits may lose out. And then the business and the corporate in- investors are really where there's going to be a bit of a problem in that those are large amounts, and that's probably where the, most of the losses will occur. Mm. Let's talk about the losses and what they attributed to the a large-scale uh, corruption that has been alleged and, should I say, even unveiled. Uh, well, let's look at the culture of how the bank itself was run. How was it allowed to deteriorate to this point? Well, I think, um, you see, you've had a situation where the auditors have been named in terms of saying they should have spotted it earlier. But it's really around the mechanism behind what a mutual bank is. A mutual bank is a bank that is owned um, by the depositors. So I think you have a situation where you had a small bank um, which had depositors who were also shareholders. That's why it's a mutual bank. And it started making money. And it's probably one of those scenarios where the owners... Um, we're drawing down profits at, at at first relatively in relation to what the bank was making. And before you know it, it became a scenario where it, they started dipping into depositors' funds. And it's such a vicious circle. And this is where we are now. Because mm. a mutual bank is the, a classic bank which allows people, you and I and a few friends, to start a bank and we own it together. And we, we, we encourage other people to deposit. The profits which come in belong to the depositors and I think the largest depositors hence why they are implicated because they were also responsible for the corporate governance of the institution. And I mean perhaps I am being cynical by asking this but is this the reason why uh, we haven't seen many mutual banks at this level just in terms of the sheer volumes that they were dealing with? I think so. I think mutual banks were not geared to be retail banks. As a hands off, the governor was saying that they tried to get the bank to upgrade its license because a mutual bank is essentially a community type of banking structure where it's, it's small and the owners can manage it relatively well because it's small and it's serving a purpose. Once it goes into the retail banking territory, you really do need a commercial license because suddenly, firstly, your, your governance is, needs to be much tighter. Um, there now needs to be that divorce between the depositors being the owners um, because you're now looking at after other people's assets. And especially once you start taking um, uh, business or corporate type investments, um, definitely you can't have a mutual banking structure looking after those amounts of money because I guess the temptation was too high. And in this particular case, it was a community bank that was doing well in the vendor area. People in there, in that area, believed in it and were investing it. Because, investing in it because the mutual bank owners are people they could relate with, and when they deposited, they 
subsequently became part owners and were supposed to also receive shares of the profits of the institution. But unfortunately, this didn't happen. But uh, there was a time, I mean, there are those who are saying the criticism was politically motivated. But in 2016, when the, when the bank granted that 7.8 million rand loan to the former president, it was flagged then as a risky decision. Well, yes, because you're getting a scenario where a small bank is, is advancing large amounts of money. And remember how a bank works, it's about a pool of money put together and then on lent to other people. Um, but if you're a small institution and you're lending much more than the average deposit you have, um, it, it will be a big risk because if that person does not pay, um, it will affect a lot more people. And in this particular case, um, the bank was not lending money to 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 individuals that are simply passing out money which was consumed and probably not being paid back um, by, party, by by individuals who are allegedly are also involved in the ownership structure. So, um, yes, it, it was always difficult because it's a black-owned institution and every time uh, criticism was leveled against it, people said, hey, you don't want to see black people succeed, look how big this the mutual bank has become, they're doing well, and, and they, they look to be doing well. Everything looks well on the outside, but it's where in the inside where all the rot has been discovered, and now we have a scenario where it sounds like the Reserve Bank has given up on the idea of saving the particular bank and actually is looking at um, winding down the operations completely. Um, it's not good for black business because, again, it, 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 it affects um, the perception of black corporate governance because this is an institution which was seen by many as being a flagship of how a mutual bank could work. And it was working because you've already heard the numbers, 30,000 um, clients. That is a huge number for a small institution. Thank you so much for speaking to us, Gerald Mwandiambira, who's acting CEO of the South African Savings Institute.